Eric from Ember. You're watching Aftershocks TV. Alrighty, Matt and Tom. <clears throat> oh man, damn, what was that? <laughs> Matt and Tom, with, we're back here with you folks for another episode of Aftershocks TV, right here on the CMS Network. Man, maybe it was that. Uh, give me the colognes rubbing off from Carl into my. What it was? Something there, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't say cheap cologne. I said the his cologne. Just Carl, yeah. in case you're looking back on this. But yeah, that was a great interview. Coming soon, everybody. Yes, we just spoke with uh, literally right before we started this. We spoke we with. Legendary drummer from the Rods, Mr. Carl Kennedy, also legendary producer, not just a drummer. I mean, he's produced, I mean, so many of those, yeah. I mean, Thresh and Speed Metal Records in the 80s, uh, classics, Anthrax, Overkill, Exciter, yep. even Blue Cheer, even did a Blue Cheer record, which wow, is going too. way back, way back. Yeah, yeah. So how you doing, Tom? Good to see you, man. As always, yeah, how's man. your week been? Good. Uh, it's been a good metal week, you know, we'll talk about, we're going to just have some fun here, talk about stuff that we've got scripted, talk about stuff that just enters our big fat heads, whatever we decide to discuss, it's going to be the the course of the day, but it's been a good week, my friend, and um, you know, happy that it's Friday and looking forward to uh, just turning off that damn computer and having a few beers and relaxing for the weekend, it's my plan. Oh yes, oh yes, likewise man, same here. And, um, you know, like, well, real quick, too, I just want to let the audience know and the viewers and listeners know, I know last week with our episodes, we were short on one, and, and it unfortunately mm. had to do with the interview that we had scheduled. Right. Uh, that, you know, I'm not going to say the band or whatever. Um, you can go and check it out. We were supposed to, you know, uh, interview. I think we mentioned it on the first segment last week. Um, but it was, it was a pretty... Pretty big flake out, I would say. A real dick move, if you ask me. But, you know, unfortunately, when we do this, uh, and this, you know, these kind of show interviews and so forth, I mean, a lot, you'll, you'll, you'll unfortunately get that a lot. You know, we'll get flake outs. It's just, you know, sometimes it's, it's just really, you know, not to, I'm not going to hop on this too long, but it, it's a little, uh, frustrating because we, you know, guys like me and Tom here, we don't just go ahead, turn on the, the computer and sit down with, with you know, an interviewer, you know, someone we're interviewing with and just say, hey, man, uh, so you're in this band. Wow. Well, how did you, what was the first piece of music you listened to as a kid? When did you first uh, play the your guitar, your first lick? Yeah. I mean, uh, we you know, do we that. don't just go with these stupid shit. We, we really get into the history and we really want to ask some good questions. So when we spend time and, you know, someone just flakes and doesn't show up and they confirm yeah, that 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 irks me a little bit. So, um, yep. so just wanted to say, you know, that's why we didn't uh, have that one episode up last week, um, one segment, I should say, the interview. But like I said, this week we've got Carl Kennedy from the Rod, so we're really excited uh, that you, uh, everyone out there, is going to be able to check that out this week. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, so I mean, I mean, I, you know, this past weekend, I mean, I just want to also mention real quick, Tom. You know, I. I I don't. I haven't really uh, said this to uh, on Aftershocks yet, or any of the podcasts that I have been working actually on a documentary, and I'll mm. talk more about it down the road once it gets closer to completion. I don't really like to talk about it, you know, in the earlier stages. Um, but I, I was, you know, out of town in Fresno, California, out here, um, which is a couple hours from where I am here in the Bay Area, uh, to film one of the featured musicians. Um, that's going to be in the in, in the documentary. Uh, William Trevor Church is his name. I don't know if people are familiar with his band mm -hmm. Haunt, who is actually really one of the leaders in this you know new wave of traditional heavy metal a genre that's been kind of burgeoning slowly but surely. I would say over the last about last decade, 
we are seeing a lot of um, younger bands, a lot of younger musicians are returning to that classic metal, new wave of British heavy right. metal sound, you know, from the late 70s, early 80s. And Haunt is one of those bands, you know, um, that's really leading the charge. And it was really cool talking with Trevor, because Trevor, he's also the son. He's not just a musician. He's the son of a legendary bassist, Bill the Electric Church. And who, Tom, I know you're a big, you know, you mm. Sammy Hagar fan. And Bill, of course, he played on all those classic yep. Hagar records. VOA he was on. Obviously, he was also on the first Montrose record, and you know, which was their classic record. And he also played with Van Morrison. He, I mean, I don't know if how familiar you are with Van Morrison, but um, the song "Wild Nights," you know, it's got that real iconic bass lick. Yeah, you know, do 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 do. You know that bass, and he actually he's the one that came up with that lick. I mean, he was on that record. I actually got to hold that bass guitar. I was at Trevor's house. He has that bass mm. where that song was played on. So it's always kind of cool too when you get to hold on to a real piece of rock history. You know, um, it was really cool just to... So he had all this more memorabilia there. I mean, he had a, a Sammy Hagar t- uh, tour jacket from like wow. 1983 that was custom wow. made. So just a real plug for him too. Here it is, the book right here, Build the Electric Church. Uh, it's out now. Martin Popoff, the great, of course, classic metal writer. Um, did the book and so forth. So yeah, man. So um, it was really just cool, you know, checking out all that, uh, the all these old flyers and all these old, you know, press passes that he had. I mean, Trevor really, um, you know, had, had it all, you know, done up. I mean, he really is is a, a not just a great musician, but he's mm-hmm. also a a music fan. Obviously, growing up with a, a rock star dad like that. So, um, but anyway, now another thing I want to bring up. You know, we have, uh, you know, we like to take things that fans send to us or comments they make and so <laughs> forth. And so one of our uh, listeners here uh, made a comment about Tom and talked about Tom. He did. That you look a little bit like an Irish journalist, Dave Fanning. Who's Dave Fanning? Let everyone know who Dave Fanning is. Yeah, Tom. Dave Fanning is a very prominent Irish journalist dating back, I would say, to the late 1970s. And, uh, you know, oh, wow, he's, okay. his knowledge of – he's not like a rock and metal guy, even though he has. I've seen him interview, you know – rock and metal bands but um Mm. very very uh his knowledge of the music business and industry is tremendous he'll talk about the second track from david bowie's second album and talk about the nuances of the track he's that guy right um Mm. but we did get uh i was responding to some um uh comments on youtube and thank you for the engagement everybody we we appreciate that and uh, somebody said something along the lines of uh hey tom looks like dave fanning Tom will know who he is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I was just chatting with Matt about this, and of course, Matt saw. He said, "Oh, well, I'm going to take an opportunity." See, I don't, dude. I, I, I you know, I, it, it's it, when I first when he first put that, I went and looked real quick online. I was like, "Nah, not really." But I'm telling you, I more I look at it. I'm looking. I'm like, I, I do see a little. I think he's right. There is a bit of a resemblance there. Man. He's far more handsome than yeah. I, so he can take that. But Dave, I actually here's a guy that I could find him, send that segment to, and get him on because there's, there's, oh really? You you could yeah, you go looking for clips of uh, Phil Linen. You'll find Dave Fanning interviewing Phil Linen in the late 1970s, early oh, wow. 1980s. So okay. he, he's he's very prominent. And just one more thing you said. About Van Morrison. Um, Van Morrison is Irish. He's FBI, Irish, yes. But he mm-hmm. is, yes, yes. So yep. the greats from Ireland, of course, you've got uh, Dave Fanning. You know, obviously, you know Bono and Thin Lizzy and uh, Rory Gallagher, uh, Gary Moore. The list is mm-hmm. endless of the 
the great, great uh, musicians coming from the Emerald Isles. Maybe we do a segment on that one day. So that would be an interesting. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. You know, I mean, I remember we did we did have a, a couple of years ago. We did do an interview um, uh, with uh, Ricky Warwick. Mm-hmm. We got That's we right. got in, we, we got into some yeah. of that. We didn't get into That's deep right. with it, obviously, because we were talking more about his record. But we did, did do a little bit of explore, exploration into some of the great Irish, you know, rock musicians of, uh, in our time. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, yeah. there's a great interview that Bob did with uh, two Bobs. Bob, obviously, Bob Nalbandi and our brother, yeah. and um, Bob Daisley. And he was speaking about uh, Bob Daisley released a tribute album uh, probably three years ago now, a Gary Moore tribute. And Bob mm. was talking about the Irish sound that he that mm. was embedded in Gary Moore's playing. That's a great interview. It's on Aftershocks. Go back and listen to Bob Nalbany and Bob Daisley. And he mm. speaks about Rory Gallagher and Phil Linet and all that goes great Irish greats. It's a great, great interview. Of course, Bob Daisley has stories for, for days. And of course, you know, Bob Nalbany is the ultimate interviewer. So great great teamwork there yeah you know it's, it's unfortunate that you know here in the states a lot of you know whether it's rory gallagher i mean even thin lizzie sure you know I, like you said i mean they're known here if you ask people here with thin lizzie they're going to tell you jailbreak and the boys are back in town that's you know it. what i mean it's like and that's it i mean i'm sure you've you've noticed that yourself since all the time in the states right yep. yeah and so it's interesting how a lot of the you know those musicians rory gallagher same thing a lot of a lot of people don't even know Rory or Gary Moore. They don't know a lot of these, you know, Irish musicians here. I mean, obviously, all the British musicians were big here, sure. Um, but for some reason, a lot of the Irish ones kind of got skipped over. I don't know if it's maybe because they didn't, you know, come over here much or so far. I mean, I know, I know, with Phil and, and Thin Lizzy, they moved to L.A. in the '80s. I know, really, mm. to I think kind of get more known, you know, in the states. Obviously, during the yep. the, the, the golden era there, during the '80s with MTV and everything. Uh, but it's still, they just couldn't shake. I mean, they were just so pushing, with MTV pushing all the hair metal, it just was, you know, and all the that stuff that I think, you know, Thin Lizzy just unfortunately didn't really get that recognition they deserved here. They never did. The, and you know? you know what? Like Thin Lizzy began in late 60s. They were done. Thunder mm-hmm. and Lightning was 1983. So their final tour, I think, or the final the final tour was 83 on the Thunder and Lightning tour. But Lizzy had had a lot of false starts. I mean, they were just about, again, I don't know the sequence, but uh, Brian Robertson, you know, fucked up his hand just before a big tour. Tour was canceled. Uh, Gary mm. Moore left mid-tour. Major was brought into, I think that was on Chinatown, 1980. And then um, uh, Philinet got hepatitis, if not once, twice. So Lizzie mm. ended up getting a, getting the, uh, a name for being unreliable. But it just oh, okay. circumstance just kicked them in the ball so many different times. But, you know, Lizzie were, were toured with Queen and, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the year 77. Maybe maybe I'm out on the sink on the year. That's bad reputation anyway. So, you know, mm-hmm. life in dangerous period. And even Freddie Mercury was going, Jesus, who are these guys? You know what I mean? So they, they were just on the cusp of making it. And then there's a great interview with um, Joe Elliott tells this where um, or Rick Savage, I think it was, and they were – they had just released Pyromania, which would have been 83. So Leopard were taken off. Lizzie yeah. were going away. And then Phil Lynott said, I can't compete with this. Like they were an old mm. school twin guitar, whatever. And then Leopard came out with this, you know, Mutt Lang production and the hair mm. metal that was coming in. He said, I don't know what to do here. I'm kind of out of my depth a little bit. But mm. I think it was just unfortunate that the timing was wrong. But Lizzie, for me, are probably my all-time favorite band right up there with Zeppelin. And um, they're just a a band for me just could do no wrong. I know I, for me, they're just an incredible band. Melodies, um, stories, um, 
lyrics arrangements. Listen to go back to UFO or or uh, Bruce Springsteen. There's a story in there sometime. Mm. Um, Maiden. Um, they will tell you that their influences are all like Wishbone Ash and Thin Lizzy kind of personified that twin guitar and a lot of players today. I can hear Lizzy in so much music today, and I can hear oh, that, that, yeah. that lit influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and a lot of the, you know, I'm, I'm, I really enjoy a lot of the heavy rock and the stoner rock stuff. And trust me, there is a lot of bands sure. in that genre with, with that twin guitar style. Right. I mean, one I was telling you about from San Diego's band Formula 400, mm. uh, great band. They they bring that Thin Lizzy. This is band War Cloud that used to be up here. They lived there down in Texas. Sure. They're pretty, you know, these bands all have such, you know, huge uh, Thin Lizzy influences. You they can't, do. like you said, when you think of twin guitars, that's what you, you I that's think you of go. first. That's where you go. Exactly, yep. man. Exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot, of course, is always going on, Tom, with um, a lot of stuff going on in rock and metal uh, right now, some news. I know there's you know, we, there's a lot of tours going on, hmm. um, which is great to see. Everybody's back on the road, including an interesting one, you know, um, that might be a couple of them that might be their final tour. And I think we would, we were talking a little bit about uh, last episode, yeah. Um, last week about some final tours, but there's a couple other ones coming up. One uh, being Lynch Mob, possible final mm-hmm. tour for George Lynch and Lynch Mob. I- I'm gonna call. I don't think that's gonna happen. This just is my end. Oh, well, I mean, this is my thing. I mean, I've talked. You know, we've. I mean, on aftershocks here over the years, we've talked to George uh, Lynch a few times. Mm. And um, usually when he said something was going to happen, it didn't happen. <laughs> you yeah. know, like like a good example was just the name Lynch Mob. I remember oh. he was talking, to, you know, we were talking to him, like I said, a couple of years ago. He he said, yeah, I mean, there's no more Lynch Mob. We asked him about it. And then he, of course, broke that he was going to name his new band George Lynch and the New West, which never came to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also said, like I said, he'd never go back to Lynch Mob. So... Final tour, I'll take it with a grain of salt till I, yeah. you know, I believe it. Because I don't, what else is, is George going to, I mean, he does a million things, we know. But, I mean, that's mm. his baby. So he's re- really just putting his own baby to bed. And I just don't see how you can do that if you want to continue to play. Just my opinion. But, yeah. I, I don't really know why he's doing it, to be honest. Because, yes, he's, I mean, I remember when, when like, George Lynch and Mike Portnoy, they used to get hammered, say, 10, 15 years ago. Because there were too many bands. It's like, oh, he's doing this and, you know, um, uh, he's in KXM and he was in the mob mm-hmm. and then obviously Lynch mob. And then he was jumping in and out of dock and, and whatever. So many bands out there. Dirty Shirley's another one. I'll talk about that in a second. But mm. um, but now it's kind of the norm because, you know, the music industry has changed so much. And Ripper Owens is jumping around bands every 10 minutes. But he says, yeah, I do. Uh, like I've got bills to pay. So, yeah, I'm going to do yeah. it. So good for him. I like that. But mm-hmm. I think about Lynch mob. First of all, they just released a great album. Their latest album, Babylon, I think it's called. Um, mm. uh, great up, absolutely tremendous. Um, with the new singer, obviously, only Logan passed on, passed on, Jesus, is no longer with the band. <laughs> so, like I said, just announcing it, only Logan just died on national, <laughs> you know, on YouTube here. No, he moved yeah. on. And I saw them a couple of years ago with only Logan and uh, obviously George in, in New Jersey in a small club. Uh, so they were tremendous live. I am a fan and have been, they released an absolute monster few albums and there's a couple of absolute doozies in there too so let's put that on the table but their last if it is their final album i think it's a great way to go out on and i was listening to um george and he stated that they're going to go through until all of this year the tour has just been announced and they're going to do i think they've got some cruises um or kind of once off Mm. uh once offs uh penciled in for early 2025 but he's adamant there's no more tour but 
Ozzy mm. also had a tour called No More Tours, and look what happened to that one. So go figure. I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. It's it's endless the amount of bands who say it's their last tour and it never was. I mean, we can. Go, I mean, it's it's endless. <laughs> I mean, it's so. We could Motley Crue. I mean, we could. Like I said, it's it's forever. Know, into, Eagles, yeah, Scorpions, this, Judas Priest, Kiss. Let's oh, let's let's go. Yep, you know, just keep it going down the road. Exactly. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'll believe it. I mean, maybe like you said, maybe it's he plans on still playing, but doing more, mm-hmm. like you said, the cruises and the festivals, right? And maybe not the touring. And you know, maybe he's just getting to that age too, where I think a lot. You know, that's what's going on. Really, it's just it's got to be taxing on these guys just to especially because like you just said you saw lynch mob in a smaller club mm. and so i think for a lot of them when they hit that age whether it's the mid to late 60s and, and above it's like okay like there's got to be something that just sits in and says okay am i going to still just keep coming to these little clubs and playing sure. them i mean there is i mean a guy like george lynch you know he's a big guitarist he's you know i mean obviously he sold millions of records with his bands over the years so there is got to be, I, you know, it's one of those questions where it's like, when, you know, when I, I, you know, if I was in that mindset and if I was that, that individual, if I was a musician like that, at that, you know, level, hmm. and then you've got to, the older you get, the smaller the clubs seem to keep coming because obviously your fan base is going to whittle away little by little as you get older. I sure. mean, you're going to bring on new fans, of course, but really are, are Kids in their twenties gonna go see a you know a sixty something year old guitarist playing a small club. I no. would, but I, I think a lot of them aren't going to, you know, um, at that age, right? They're just really concerned about their scene at that age, and they don't really you know venture too far away from that. Yep. So it's like you know, it's it's got to be, I don't know, sobering, whatever it is. I don't know what, what what the word you would call it, but I can't blame them for for of course doing that, playing these no. small clubs little by little, and going, hey, you know, this is kind of getting. What, when do you, the question is when do you say when when is it done you know and that's really I think the hardest thing for all these artists is I'm sure their intentions are to yeah you know what we're done I I can't do this anymore but then when you're sitting home for a year or two and not doing much and you've got people oh you should you know coming to you whether it's fans whether it's you know journalists people in the industry mm-hmm. hey you know put out your know, frontiers is probably coming to George Lynch every other year every year going hey well you know. Another Lunch Bob record, you know, we're ready yep. for one if you want. So it's hard to say no then too. So it it, it is I, I don't I don't blame these guys for for coming back after saying it's their last tour, but I would just say maybe just don't say it's your last tour. You know, you see this in sports, people retire, right? These these, you know, these athletes. Some will do it right after the season. I'm retired, and then they come a month later, no, I can't, yep. I'm coming back. Just let it play itself out and then you retire when a season comes and then you're not playing. You could say, okay, well, obviously I'm not playing. I'm retired. But to to do this, I I think they just get ahead of themselves. And maybe it's an emotional thing and, you know, they just feel mm-hmm. defeated. And then a couple of years later, they maybe get reinvigorated. I guess that's kind of how it goes. But, but I know. think, too, if I mean, if you were to just reverse, he's retiring and his reasons are his reasons is his own business. But if he was mm-hmm. playing to ten or 15,000 people a night with Lynch Mob, would he be retiring? He wouldn't no. his ass. No, so there would. you go. So there's yes. you, he, you've kind of answered the question. He's you know, six in his sixties, phenomenal player. I'm a huge George Lynch fan. You know, sure. pretty much everything he's released, yeah. almost. Um, there's a few dodgy ones in there, but um, mm. so he's he's pulling up into some shitty little club in the back ass of nowhere, four or five hundred people in his sixties, probably not traveling first class, turning up in an Uber, going fuck. This is really <laughs> yeah. worth it. So you get to the point where the drive is gone. He's probably got decent money in his pocket. 
um, maybe from the legacy albums, I don't know, depending on what they did with the money at the time. But he's, you know, he's, he's George Lynch and he's got other projects that he's going to give attention to. But those projects that he's working on don't require touring. Because he's just, mm, yeah. I think he's just announced that he's going to do an album with uh, Dirty Shirley again. And uh, Dino Jalusic sang on the first mm. one. And Girish, I'm going to, I can't, he's, he's Indian. He's with a band called Girish, Girish. Chronicles. Yeah, yeah Girish, right. Who's a mm. phenomenal singer. Actually, I want to yeah, do a segment good. on both of those guys. Not today, but just for future reference. He's an amazing singer. He also sang on the latest uh, Joel Hoekstra album. Um, and uh, Firstborn, he's on there. He's Firstborn, on that that's the one. Enzo. With- um, and and uh, Chris Adler, in, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, obviously he's on with George Lynch. So they're two, they're two monumental young rock metal singers that we got to give. So I'd love to get those on for an interview. But um, but I just think George is kind of, you know, doing his thing or whatever. And another one, Matt, then, is Mr. Big have just announced their um, farewell tour. And uh, Eric Martin was on Trunk recently um, talking mm. about that. And Eddie, I, I gotta, you know, Eddie doesn't always... Because he's you know syndicated and he's got to be careful what he says, but he did hold um, Eric Martin's feet to the fire and go like, "Really, are you really doing this?" And he said, well, "What happens in your last gig and you take a month off and some guy comes back and offers five million dollars for a union tour? What's going to happen then?" And, mm-hmm. uh, and and he said something funny whereby um, they have the tour dates up and I think the final tour date is done and right at the end of that it says request to show. So Eddie was going like, "Come on!" And they were. Good, good kind of conversation going on. But just, look, I'm a I'm a Lynch Mob fan. I'm a Mr. Big fan. Um, I saw Mr. Big a couple of times, and one of the best guitar solos I ever saw was mm. Mr. Big. Uh, they played in Dublin. Oh man, must be ten years ago. And um, the, he did a he tribute to Gary Moore. So Paul Gilbert oh, did wow. a tribute to Gary Moore. And he took all the solos from Victim of um, Change. I remember getting, well, I get that mixed up with Priest. I can't remember. Some of the early Gary, um, shoot, Dirty Fingers, I think it's called. Sorry, my brain is not working today. Um, okay. But anyway, he took all the, the, the kind of the great Gary Moore solos and brought him in for a medley on stage. And it was mesmerizing. Probably the, if not single best guitar solo I've ever seen, a Gary Moore medley by Paul Gilbert. Go figure. Yeah, Paul Gilbert's phenomenal. You know, he's he is, yeah, what a player. Uh, what a yeah. player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not really a, a Mr. Big fan, but didn't didn't they? I when when Pat Torpy, the drummer, passed. Yeah, I remember them saying, "Oh, there's no Pat, there's no Mr. Big." I mean, mm-hmm. we, and once again, we hear this all the time too, right? Yeah. Someone leaves, yep. okay, the band's done. A couple of years later, someone gives you a big offer, okay, we're back. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I you know, yeah, yeah, it, it just happens all the time, and like, well, I, I just Matt, wish, just, you, yeah, just mm-hmm. sorry, sorry, one thing too, Matt is um. I don't know what venues. I haven't looked at their tour dates. I don't know what size venues are playing in the U.S. Are they like a small, like small club band now, or are they? Mr. Big, um, no, I think they would be playing like the mid-sized clubs. I mean, I don't. Okay. I think they're still. Well, you know, it's hard I, to say because, yeah, once again, that's another band that was huge. Japan, mm. huge, enormous in Japan. Mr. Big, they just um, finished a tour in Japan and they played to twenty. They, they sold out the Budokan, which I think is about eight thousand seats. Yeah. I know it's an arena by maybe Japan standard, Japanese standards, mm-hmm. but they play um, arenas in Asia. Yeah. Oh, they're arenas. Huge. Oh, go figure. They're huge there. Um, and so, yeah, and it's interesting because it's an American band, but we hear in the States, again, they had sort of the like the extreme. They had that treatment with uh, Be With You was was the song, right? That was yeah, the hit. Right. The mm-hmm. acoustic little, you know, little yeah. throwaway almost song became their hit. 
no one really knows them outside of that here. I no. mean, it's it's the same type of thing. You know, they just they just one of those bands that got you know they're much bigger in Europe and 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 in Asia and uh, overseas. You know, they're big, but. Mr. Big here, they're pretty Mr. Small in the United States, man. I'll be honest with you. They're not, uh, they're not, I mean, no one really talks about them here. I mean, not that no. I know of. I don't know of anybody that really, you know, like Paul Gilbert, you know, I mean, like I said, he is uh, one of the probably, you know, I mean, really, you talk about just an yeah. amazing guitar. I mean, we, you know, he'll just sit there and do anything on the spot. You know, he's just one mm-hmm. of those guys that doesn't leave without the guitar in his hand. He just walks sure. around with it all day, you know, almost. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's 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 almost a shame that he's not really appreciated here like he should be mm. um, in the states. You know, a lot of those, unfortunately, especially those virtuoso guitarists. Yeah, I don't know how it is. It, it was in Europe, but the virtuoso sort of scene here had had its place in the eighties when Satriani mm. was was the guy that led that charge. You had Eric Johnson, and I mean, you know, he said Paul Gilbert. You had all these guys. You know, obviously with the Shrapnel Records, uh, Mike, yeah, Varney, Mike Varney with all those. Yeah, yeah with all those great uh, shredders, but. It wasn't like it was. It was. You know, I, I would say it had its day in the, in the early eighties, eighty three, eighty four, around that era. But once you know MTV took over, and then Thrashman later came out, and I mean, it's just a lot of the virtuoso. Unless you were a musician, mm. a lot of people really weren't into that music. It didn't. It didn't. You know, wasn't big on the charts. You know, at all. No. I think Satriani might have gotten a hit on there. Eric Johnson. I think they might have had like one song that maybe got into the top forty at one point. You know, Billboard so forth. Um, but it never really resonated with uh, here in the States in terms of like having massive tours playing in bigger venues, not really here. Yeah. Yeah. I think the same in, in Europe. I mean, obviously I was a big, you know, still am obviously a rock and metal fan, but I remember buying Kerrang. Mm. So a lot of got of it, it got a lot of attention, a lot of press and, you know, Kerrang would always have like this Vi and Satriani and Jason Becker and, mm-hmm. um, Marty Freeman, whoever. And like the, the Mike Varney was often in, in, interviewed, but, it got press, but never got the traction, never really went down. Mm-hmm. And when I bought a lot of those albums, and probably the biggest one, or the biggest two, I guess, would be Steve Vai, um, Passion and Warfare. I, you know, that was a big seller back in the day. And Joe Satriani with um, Surfing with the Alien. If I'm not mistaken, that mm-hmm. is a platinum record. Yes. Um, yeah, they, that one was but big. They were the only two that made the big impact. And I'm a big Joe Satch fan. I have all his stuff. Actually, his last album is quite poor. But um, overall, I'm a huge Satch fan. Saw him play five or six times and they're actually playing Joe Satch and Steve I are on a tour and they're mm-hmm. playing here 2nd of April in um in Charlotte so I think I might just um you know it's probably going to be a 50 60 dollar ticket 20 minutes from the house that's kind of like why would I not do it so I'll probably sure, check yeah. that out yeah no I mean I, I was actually playing in the checkout last year uh Satriani up in Reading with Bob before he had passed we were planning on going to see uh, yep. Satriani they're playing I like Satch mm-hmm. yeah um, because he was living in a small town called Reading, and they, you know they don't get yeah. a ton of bands that come through, but Saturani was one of them, and I remember it was going to be a big thing. Nice. Um, but we were planning on going, but um, yeah, you know, just just it's interesting that whole virtuoso, you know, the guitar virtuoso, you know, thing, the scene. Uh, it, it's very, we, I, you know, I know when aftershocks a couple of years ago we had someone, I forget who exactly it was, but we had one of those guitarists on. Talking of Sammy Bowlers was his name. He now mm. plays with with Kurt Dimer, who we interviewed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was asking him about that, you know, because he that's where he originally came from, and now he's obviously you know been playing with you know he does that, and then he does his he'll fill in with bands like he's doing with Kurt. You know, and and there is I guess a seed, but it, it's it's all players, you know, which I guess because the, the casual fan is not really good. That's not something they're going to really gravitate towards. 
no is is that style of music it seems no. because there's no lyrics really and there's no um you know that's the one thing about Ingve at least you know Ingve was was wise to just put vocals on his music to to you you, ha- you, you kind of have to if you want to really create a bigger audience you got to get vocals on a lot of those records a lot of those early records is so, so you know the Joe Satriani's every chance and so forth mm. they there was no vocals you know it was just it was just guitar yeah. Yeah, and, and but I, I think, bass, but yeah, mm-hmm. and I think unfortunately for um, Malmsteen, is he started singing himself, and he's not a bad singer. But um, again, he is, he's uh, he had a lot of obviously he's from Sweden, so a lot of Swedish kind of unknown singers to a degree, probably all mm-hmm. called Johan. But um, you know there were there were yeah, but uh, he start, his last like Malmsteen's last three or four albums, it's like one big blur of songs. Like yeah, they're not they're not awful. They're just like four songs in. You go, I'm done here. His credit, like his he's arguably one of the greatest guitar players. He, I even think he's underrated because there's nothing. He, he's classically trained. You've often see all his, uh, you know, his solos and his antics on stage and all that kind of thing. And a huge Blackmore fan to get that. But I, even though everybody knows who he is, I don't think they quite put him up there with the Hendrix and uh, Eddie Van Halen's oh, no. and stuff like that. And, <laughs> I mean, I, he doesn't I have the hit songs. That's why you know? he doesn't have the songs. But as a player, I mean, he's just undeniably just extraordinary. But you know, but it, it, he's a he's his own person, and yeah, you know, his Alcatraz tour days and all that kind of thing. But you know, he's got a great legacy. But he's just his new albums. They're 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 not bad. They're just not good enough. And I think it's a detriment to him. And they always have shitty production. I don't know what it is with the production. It's always crappy production. Always. So that just well, kills it for me. Yeah, no, you know, and, and the thing about like, well, so Ingve, yes, of course, technically he's phenomenal, right? But once again, can you write a song that's going to mm. stick in someone's head? You know, and that's the thing about Not anymore. the virtuoso, you know, guitarists. They don't, and and of course, you know, is they don't usually have those songs that are that you know stand the test of time because they're not, you know, they're not catchy hits. Nope. You know, if if you go and you look at. You know, I mean, like I say, you, that's why they always say you don't have to be the best at your instrument to write great songs. So, yes, if you're a guitarist, you love probably watching and listening to Ingve because of just all the technical stuff he can do on the, on the guitar. But, like I said, that's not something that you're going to be humming to yourself in your car or when you walk. It's <laughs> not going to be in your head. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it's it's really a, it's a niche thing, you know, and that's the thing about it. It's very niche. You know, it's it's. Yeah. It's real driven towards musicians who love that kind of stuff. I'm not saying there's fans that don't like it; they appreciate it, but it's just never going to translate to to having you know big hits. Uh, you know the thing about it, and then the other thing I noticed too with a lot of those albums mm. is if you listen to the production, the reason why too is everything is just turned up t- to ten with the guitar, mm-hmm. and you got that little bass and the drum beat and the rhythm in the background, but all it is is just one big guitar boom, that's like right. you said. It's nauseating after a while. It, it, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, like you said, you can listen to a few songs. Okay, wow, this is amazing what they can do. But to listen to 12, 10 to 12 songs, when usually those songs mm-hmm. can be usually anywhere from five to seven minutes each because of that, it's just over. It's It's overkill. You know what I mean? To it me, is. it's just—it's too much. You know, and so one one of my kind of newer, obviously, we talk about the Legacy Act, but one of my newer um, guitar players that I'm into is a British guy called Andy James, which I think toured mm. with Metallica on some okay. of the British shows in in Europe. I could be wrong on the dates, but he's worth checking out. Um, Andy James—he's uh, like a, like a heavier Satriani, but incredible okay. player. So anybody likes that that kind of nuances, Andy James. And I'm laughing, Matt, too, that we we kind of like Matt and I put a script in place and we just have more or less segments 
And Lizzie uh, Shrapnel Shredders is not on the segments, by the way. No, just, none of this we was. Just, we just ended up going there for fucking some reason. <laughs> that that's well, that's how the best stuff comes out, right? You know, yeah, you, man. You play, you're playing too much. You can almost tell it is. You know, yeah, planned. yeah. You it's don't want to plan. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. But it's funny. Cool.